This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello dreamers and welcome to The Dreamer's Disease with myself Alex Manzi where we hear the stories of inspirational people who are out in the world and really following their passions and trying to live their life to their full potential. And what we do is we try to gain some of that wisdom and you know hear their knowledge and try to get some motivation from that that we can apply to our everyday lives. So on this episode I'm joined by someone who's a very good friend of mine and I've known for 10 years plus amazing guy called Rohan Blair Mangat who is a director and is a really really talented director in fact and I'm not just saying it out of bias like his work really does speak for itself. During the chat we talk about his journey of getting into directing, starting out shooting on his camera down at a football ground to then going on to work with the likes of Lionel Messi who you know is one of the best footballers in the world to working with artists like Retch Free 2 and to even shooting a video with the man himself Jay-Z and Damian Marley which is just incredible and, and what I love about Rohan is he talks about you know being very grateful for the early advice that he got himself and having motivation which comes from his family having seen them come over to the UK at, at his grandparents generation really working and striving to make something of themselves it's something that I can really relate to and also he talks about the importance of working with people who have a strong message and he speaks about Colin Kaepernick who's been in the news recently with the Nike advert wanting to potentially further down the line putting out into the universe work with someone like him who has a real strong message in his so before we jump in just want to let you know that I really appreciate you listening right now and it means so much to me and if you could if you could head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast hit that subscribe button make sure you leave a review and you can also check out the Instagram page the underscore dreamers disease for daily updates and motivation so without any further ado let's jump straight in and hear Rohan's story First of all, thank you for joining me. Thanks I know you're not um, an interview talking kind of guy, but I appreciate it. And because, I mean, first of all, for me, because having known you for what, like five, six years, maybe more. It's more, it's probably it, like 10. 10, all right, ten, well, I was way off. Right, for <laughs> 10 years, I'm watching your journey from when you started doing what you do to where you've got yourself to now and where I know you're gonna go. Like for me, it's mad powerful and like inspiring to see because it's like someone that I know quite well who's doing it. And it's not just someone I can look at and go, oh sick, look at that person. It's someone I can be like, yes, look at Rohan, he's killing it. Like for me, that's like amazing. Um, Thank you. I'd say the same likewise from my side, like Thank you. watching what you're doing and stuff and where you're going. Thank you. I'm just early days so I'm just starting out. But you're, you're, what, seven, eight years into what you're doing? Yeah, I guess I've been directing for, like, like I'd say professionally for, like, seven years. Like, seven and a half years, yeah. Yes, that's mad. Um, so, to start us off, can you just tell us um, who you are and a bit about what you do? Yeah, my name's Rohan Blair Mangat. I'm a director. I, up to now, I primarily make, like, music videos and commercials, like, shorts, um, starting to go into like features, like uh, like movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I used to, I guess in when I was starting out, I'd like shoot a lot myself and like cut it as well. Now I'm kind of more just direct. I do a little bit of writing, but solely like directing. Yeah. And how did you get started? What was your first like step into shooting or filming and cutting or whatever it was? Um, I mean, I, I wanted to be a director from a young age like really really young like maybe like five or something yeah. were you the kid that always ran around with a camera in their hand i what i mean my dad had like a vhs camera mm. so when it was like someone's birthday there's once i haven't we haven't watched it in a while but once when i was with my family they pulled out like 
one of my younger brothers who's probably like his second birthday or something and I like hijack the camera and I'm like interviewing people and shooting things um but I think it was like I was watching like I used to watch a lot of movies with my mum and my granddad and I was watching like The Empire Strikes Back or something and um when like at the end of the movie the bad guys basically win in that movie and it's the first time as a little kid the bad guys won in a story yeah and it bothered me for like two weeks until I saw the final The Return of the Jedi yeah. and the story gets completed and when I saw that final film and at the end it said written and directed by or whatever at the end I that's when I thought someone made those choices to make me feel something yeah so from then I was like oh that would be cool but I never thought you know you're gonna have a, a career in that um so like when I was at like secondary school and stuff I was doing like art and that was like my favorite subjects and I did it for like a level but I was probably going to try and be like a lawyer or something yeah like the school I went to everyone's like a lawyer or a doctor yeah. or, or if you if you can be or whatever yeah. and was that was that through the the pressure of your parents as well to do that or were they just like no my parents have always been like if you really want to do something and you work hard you should try it yeah. like my mum was an actress and she was also a french teacher but she did acting like she was in like a couple of theater things so, and my dad, he works really hard in like, he, he's got a different kind of job. It's quite like, he works as a management consultant. It's kind of like city kind of style. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, I think he enjoys what he does, but it's not his passion. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with my mum, she pursued it for a while, that passion. So I think they wanted me and my brothers to like explore things. Mm. But when I was at like, I was in like sixth form and I was like applying to do like law and my art teacher found out and he went ballistic. And for me, I'm always, that moment is a really important moment for me because he was like, you need to go and do some research and I think you should go and do an art degree. Yeah. I think you should pursue like your creative side. Yeah. So I went to art school in London. I went to Central St. Martins. Um, so that I'd say when I went to Central St. Martins, it's like 2003, I started there. I'd say that's when I started my journey to being a director because yeah. that's when someone was really like what are you trying to say and that's when I started like shooting things properly and cutting things like that's when I learned Final Cut Pro and stuff yeah. like that how to edit properly um, and I started like all the time they were encouraging us to make things so I started building up work um, but then I guess I left I did, finished art school I had like short films but they're very they're like video art they're like stuff you see in a gallery it wasn't yeah. really like the storytelling, it was more telling a bigger theme in a very abstract way. Yeah. Um, Not like classic storytelling. No, like yeah. Beginning, middle, end, like the, the curve of a story. Yeah. yeah. But I would, like, from like being like 10 or something, I'd always be watching music videos not just because they're music videos, but I'd be thinking about how they're constructed because often people are trying really like interesting techniques in them. Yeah. Um, so I would after I kind of left um, St. Martin's, I was thinking like, how could I do those kind of things? Um, and I tried to do things like I tried to, I applied to like the National Film and Television School to do like a directing masters and stuff. I think I hadn't been in the industry in any capacity. I didn't really know anyone in, in the industry. So the short films I was trying to make to apply and my like the, the letters I'd write to say why I should mm. be in it. Like I didn't get in and I can, now I, in hindsight I can see why like yeah. I wasn't I hadn't been trained to be there yeah. um, 
and then I start I went to like Channel 4 for a while they had this like training thing and I was working in like a TV company working on like um, horrible histories and like um, what did they make they made like Homes Under the Hammer and stuff yeah. like that um, and again that what it was I learned a lot I learned like how the industry worked and in TV world and I also saw when you I never see, been inside one of those companies to, to see just to see if like people in there yeah it became a lot more believable to me that I could live in that world and do stuff in that yeah. world um and then it's basically things really took off for me when I left that course because like and this is where my dad helped me a lot he he was like look I'm going to get, I'm going to, like the 5D had just come out that could shoot video. Mm. And he was like, I'm going to get you one. Like, oh, nice. you're going to have to like work really hard yeah. if I get it for you, but I'm going to help you. Because I wasn't really, I wasn't making any money. I didn't really have anything. I was, sometimes I work like DJ for someone yeah. to get some cash or whatever. Um, and then I just started making things. Like I went, I was just shooting little things with my brothers who are actors and stuff like that. And then one day, one of my brothers was like, I had like a sh I was sharing a season ticket at Arsenal, and he was mm. like, "You should go to film, bring your camera to one of the games and yeah. film it." So I brought my camera, and I realized obviously you're not supposed to shoot at a game. Yeah. So I was like hiding it, so the footage wasn't amazing because it wasn't like shoulder mounted or something. I didn't. Yeah, it was yeah. quite shaky. But I basically shot the game from a fan's perspective. Yeah. Cut I it. Caught the atmosphere of it exactly, rather than the yeah. actual match itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I put that on YouTube, and I think. I mean, now it's not that many views, but in like 2010, when I did it, it was like, I think it got like a quarter of a million views. That's that's a lot though. It was for like right. a, For a first like yeah. proper go at something. Yeah. And I think like Arsene Wenger showed it to like the team and like this. There's a, really? Yeah. There's a journalist called Philippe Auclair who I think showed it to Arsene, but I met up, he reached out to me and I met him for lunch and yeah. he was like talking to me about a few things and how what he how he thought it was quite interesting to see it from that mm. perspective um but it was that that i had something with a few views so then when i'd go and meet like potential clients like yeah. people would be like okay i'll i'll let you shoot something for me so i started shooting things like events and stuff yeah. um and at one event i met this guy who's now like he's more like one of my best friends who's uh this artist called Paulie and he was working with like the gorillas um they had like this thing called gorilla sound system where yeah. they did like audio visual like version of the gorillas experience live yeah um and he asked me to shoot some stuff for them so i started to build up more work and i started to work more with him and i think through that stuff he had a relationship with adidas so i started to work for them and then I, that's what attracted like a production company they started yeah. seeing the work I was doing and then from there then I had like representation so that's kind of what led me to that yeah. it's just interesting because when I was coming out of um like channel four or whatever I still didn't know how you become a director like I knew how you could be a tv producer or a writer or something but I spent a lot of time trying different things in the industry when really to be a director, you just have to make stuff. Yeah. But I think that's a very natural thing, isn't it? Like if you if you know the kind of industry you want to step into, you try little bits of everything to kind of work out, okay, yeah. cool, I've tried the TV thing, I've tried a production thing, I'm not really sure, or the directing thing I'm more interested in. So you kind of pursue that a bit more. Yeah. And I find that's a very natural thing for anyone who wants to get into a certain type of industry, be it music or film or whatever, photography, it's always the same kind of thing. Mm. 
um, which is cool. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was when you were at Channel 4 and like, in the TV route of things, did you decide within that time that TV wasn't the, well, the traditional TV wasn't the route for you? I think it's, it was interesting that period because I think the t- kind of TV I was involved in, it has a place. Yeah. Um, but the kind of stories I wanted to tell and the kind of demographic I was trying to talk to, I guess, it wasn't really... You could already see at that time that it was starting to exist somewhere else. Mm. Like this is... Like for me, this was there was no Instagram or like Twitter was kind of early, but YouTube was... You could see it starting yeah. to, to bubble. Um, but also I think... Um, the, the job I was actually doing at Channel 4 for part of the time was like what they call new media, which is like interactive stories yeah. and stuff. So that was interesting because they did have like a, they did see that emerging and we were w- talking about some cool things. But I think the TV medium for me that it felt more at the time, like factual entertainment kind of vibe. It wasn't so much like I was always a drama person. Mm. So I was kind of in the wrong place, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. And then so... After that whole kind of process, what was your first big job or first big opportunity? Um, So when this production company asked me to work for them and it was like, I was only with them for a year, but they they still, they're very good friends of mine. It means a lot to me because they gave me like, they were the first people to believe in me. But literally I'd been there like two months. They were like looking Mm -hmm. after me and they were like, we're doing this project with Adidas, with Lionel Messi. Mm -hmm. So that was like my first like paid job. Yeah. Um, and it's at first- bad I, one either. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And I wasn't actually supposed to be the director at the start. I was supposed to be, they were just having a few cameramen like record this live event. Yeah. And the event was pretty much set in stone. It was like a, like a PR company had organized it. They were bringing him to London to like, to like do like a pop-up thing. Mm. Um, but the more, the closer we got to the day, the more the production company gave me like rain to like, take ownership of how it was captured and like yeah, yeah. stuff. So I, I've, I just became the director of it. Yeah. Um, and that was amazing, like working with him. Um, Were you nervous going into that? Yeah. But I kind of felt like, because it was everything I'd done up to that point, just by the fact that it was no budget and it was with people that I know, or it was with like people that they were already doing something. It was kind of like observational, like documentary mm. style. So... It was almost like I'd had the perfect training for, yeah, to do it. And the other the other people that were shooting it, like the other DOP director of photography kind of guys, they I'd seen their work. I didn't really know them at that time, but I'd seen their work and I knew they were amazing. So, and we were all in a similar kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, he didn't really. I don't know what his English is like now, but his English wasn't very good mm. back then. Like I wouldn't expect it to be. And one of the cameramen that was shooting, who's he's a director as well now. Um, he's Spanish yeah. so he was the one more dealing directly with him but it was still it was yeah it was amazing yeah. um, was that the first time you worked with like a crew of c- cameramen in terms of like shooting something and you were literally playing that director role yeah that was the first time um, I'd done everything up to that point by mm. myself um, so it was actually I'd worked a couple of times with a friend of mine that went to, we went to art school together and he's now a, D, a DP that I use a lot. Mm. Um, um, but back then, 
yeah that was the first time I had like on a proper job I had like a crew and like resources yeah. it's kind of weird yeah <laughs> can imagine turning up in Hackney Marshes or wherever it was yeah and uh, shooting Lionel Messi um, but that's, I remember that because that was the, the Adidas thing where he like arrived in the helicopter wasn't yeah it? yeah it was like can Messi play at Hackney Marshes which is like obviously the famous London like Sunday league pitches yeah um, can he hack it kind of thing yeah it's crazy to think like that opportunity was a first big opportunity yeah well. it was mental not just like oh we're going to shoot this little thing with a random you know street footballer who's like the best footballer in the world yeah still is yeah <laughs> it's mad um, so from there on what, what was the next kind of set of jobs that came about and how did they come about for the next like year I was working with that company and it, the, we were doing a lot of football stuff they now I think they they um, created Copper 90 on YouTube okay yeah, they yeah. run all that stuff I think at the time they were going a more traditional route of like branded like stuff but I could see them going that's why we kind of I went I only was there for a year because mm. we were going in we wanted different things to do different things and they've been very successful at what they're doing yeah. and I knew they would be because they're very smart um, and they did make good stuff but I was making like football based stuff with them um, for about a year which was fun because I'm a massive football yeah. fan so I was meeting loads of players and yeah, yeah it was, but cool. was there a big part of you that was like striving for more in terms of like you were saying earlier about the storytelling and you know being able to get across a narrative or you know shooting actual films or you know whatever it may be was there a big part of you that was like I need more of this yeah I was my problem is I'm always I'm never satisfied mm. like I'm I'm satisfied but it's like the moment I do something I'm thinking what can I do now like yeah. where can I how can I grow yeah. um, and I think I was always thinking I want to tell stories but I also like narrative but I also at the time the nature of a lot of that work like how quickly it moved and how like the budget the kind of size of budgets yeah. it meant that visually I didn't feel like I was pushing the envelope um, so I was always watching like on Vimeo like other directors work and I was like I want to be in that space mm. um, so that was always something I was trying to do anyway I was trying to elevate things um, and there are tricks you can do and stuff but after a while it comes down to like time and money is what's going to help you like rise a level yeah and that that, that feeling of striving for more do you, do you think that that's because in your head you're working towards like a bigger picture end goal or do you think it was something that was kind of um, what's the word like not drilled into you but like you know put into you through through your upbringing I think my parents have always been like very supportive and encouraging they always want us to do well but I think I think it's something like I think I always had I don't know entirely where it comes from part of me feels like my grandparents on both sides of my family moved to England mm. and they created a life here that they didn't you wouldn't really expect them to be able to do that with yeah. what they came with and I think whether I was aware of that as a kid or not I think deep down I always knew like I see them like they're like my heroes like I mm. look at that and I'm like what they were able to accomplish like I feel like a bit of a responsibility to keep that going yeah like you've seen the graft isn't it it's that, yeah. that thing of you've seen your family strive 
for and work hard and yeah. you know make you know the life that you were brought up yeah. in happen yeah possible and i feel like there's things that privileges that they gave me yeah that they didn't have so mm. i shouldn't waste them but i also think sometimes i think part of life is just to try and grow like and mm. do better and like what not just like in career goals but in like how you treat people or what you want for people like even just in a grand sense like how society is like about the world becoming a better place um and i think everyone in some sense i think whether they act on it or not has those aspirations to yeah. do something like whether you want to have like a, a family or whatever you want to do like you want to you don't no one wants to be doing the same thing forever mm. and i feel um, like that's like a lot of um a lot of the problems that young people have these days is because of that. I think we tend to lose sight of that and we we look more short term at like the instant gratification and we, we lose sight of, okay, what actually am I trying to achieve in my life? And it doesn't always have to be a work thing, but what is my long-term plan? What's my long-term vision? Like, where's my life going? And we kind of feel you know, that we kind of drift in a little bit and just getting through life rather than having something to focus on. Mm. And a lot of the problems that people suffer from comes from that. And, you know, a lot of that's down to social media and all these kind of things and seeing, you know, whatever, overnight in massive inverted commas successes as people see them and feeling like, oh, why can't I do that? Da, da, da. Um, so I think it's like a powerful thing to know, cool, this is what my family did. This is the hard work they've done. Like you've seen it and it's sort of been put into you and like going out and replicating it like you said and doing it is so important and powerful man like I know so many people who just sit back and they're like lost in a way yeah. you know but they because they know they can strive for better but they just don't know what in or how yeah I used to do um, this mentor scheme when I left uh, my art school yeah um, where we the idea was you'd find kids that never thought they would they could go to art school yeah and or have a career in the creative world and you'd like mentor them um and even then like I, all i had was like a degree from art school i didn't have a job or anything mm. but i was i realized then that there's a lot of people that don't have a mentor in their life mm. and i've i've been lucky enough i didn't realize but then that's when it hit me that i've had mentors at every stage be it my grandparents my parents my like the art teacher at school that told me not to go a certain way yeah. and then even like the more more recently I cast like my peers as mentors so mm. like someone like yourself Thank like you. we all are doing our thing and we're all we all speak to each other like whether we're aware of what we're doing or not yeah we're all like by shared experiences we're all like yeah, yeah. keeping each other on track or yeah. helping each other out in some way yeah and I think not everyone gets to have that. And I think obviously we, we met each other through what we're doing. Mm, yeah. Um, true. So we, we like earned that chance, but then, you know, we keep, you know, people keep like, yeah, they keep um, strength in numbers. I guess. That thing of, um, you know, the, you're the sum of the five people you spend most time with. And that doesn't always, you know, mean literal time. It could be, you know, people who you look at or look up to or listen to in podcasts or read books from or whatever. Mm. It's, that, it's a similar kind of thing, isn't it? Of like, you know, you look at the people we know, like Moz, like Ash, yourself, you know, people doing really good, powerful things. And it's like seeing those people as friends 
and being able to go like, oh wow, like this is powerful. Their journey is like, you know, and a lot of that is reason why I started this podcast is seeing people doing these amazing things and going, right, I need to like hear these people's stories. I need other people to hear these people's stories because it's, it's really powerful seeing it. Yeah. But if you don't know these people, like you can have an opportunity to hear the work and the mindset and everything else that goes into it and just pass that on. Like you've done some amazing work. Like, you know, the the the, the bit of work you did with Rich Free 2 and Adidas at the Tate, you know, it was an incredible piece of work. And it's like, if you told that kid, you know, who wanted to be a lawyer, one day you're going to shoot with like one of the best like UK rappers at the Tate. Yeah. You know, you'd have been like, what? No chance. Yeah. But it's happened, you know? Like, and there's so many other, you know, you've, you've done so much work with like, you know, Adidas, Apple, you know, whatever. And it's just been like incredible journey. But for you, like, what would you say is the job that you're most proud of to date? For me, there's three. Three, I yeah. think. Yeah. Like you say, the Retro Free 2 project, just because, firstly, I'm a massive fan of him and his like, He's like Shakespeare in my eyes, like he's mm. a real wordsmith, like legendary like levels, like the fire in the booths, like all kinds of like open conversation, like all this all that stuff. Um, I think working with him and like collaborating so closely and it's such an his the message that it, the film is his message. Yeah. And it's like what you're talking about, like he's saying, When I see you, I see me, like we're all the same, like Yeah. I would. He's saying to kids that like, I was like you, and I'm. I've got to hear like anything's possible. Um, so that for me is really important because I think that's a message that it's happening. It's more people talk about those kind of things more now. Yeah. But I think especially when we when we made that, I thought that was a really honest, like yeah. very heartfelt thing. Yeah. Um, and being being from London. And being from a similar area to him, it was, that's, it was really personal to me, that, that film. Um, I'd say, obviously, like, the Jay-Z project, like, yeah. growing up, loving this guy, like, his music. Yeah. And then to meet him and collaborate with him, like, develop that project together, yeah. um, that video. Um, and to be part of, like, such an important album, like, to make a video for that, like, I never would have thought that would happen. Yeah. Um, and just, like, the way that he works, like, that's what... I take away from that project the most because yeah. it like validates everything that I believe and a lot of what you're talking about, like the way he carries himself and the way he collaborates yeah. with people is incredible. Um, and to see that at the highest level, someone operating in that way is, yeah. is amazing. Um, and then the other one is like, I did a, I did a film for my friend Paulie that I was talking about yeah. earlier for his um, debut EP. Yeah. For me, that was just really special because he's like my brother, but also we'd been working together over the last seven years on a few things at various points. And that was like, so I can see like this evolution of yeah. our journey together, like visually and sonically, That's like cool. it came together in yeah. that. So that always mean a lot to me. But, and also it's like, if I hadn't met him and we hadn't started working together, I don't know what I'd be doing because it's through him that yeah. I started to get a lot of opportunities. By, because we were collaborating yeah. together on things. Um, so I'm always grateful for that. Like he downplays it. He's like, look, we were working together. This just happened. Yeah. But it, it, it's still to this day, like he opened doors for me, I think. Yeah, which is part, it's good to have people like that. You know, it's like you were saying earlier about having people in your in your life who can almost be like a mentor or show you a path. Um, but yeah, on the Jay-Z thing, because yeah. there's no way we're not going to talk about this in, in more depth, right? 
Like, do you know what the maddest thing about it is? Is when I saw the video, I didn't actually know you'd shot it. I didn't know it was you, that was your project. So I'm watching this. Like, this is ah, oh, this is sick. And like, I've gone into the description on on whether it was Vivo or YouTube, directed by Rohan. I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was so like the smile on my face was just. I just felt like this like overwhelming feeling of like proud, like that means a lot to just me. Just everything, you know. It was just like it was a surprise as well, but it was because it was so good. So Thank like, you. How like, how did that come about, man? Like what 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 happened? Like what what did you feel like you got the phone call? Like yeah, bro, um, we're gonna do a job with GZ. What? <laughs> 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 how do you react um, to that? Yeah, I mean, it was very surreal. Um, I have like a really, um, I have a really good uh, music video rep or like agent in uh, America. And uh, she's been very, like she's been, she's really important in my career in the last couple of years. Um, And there was a, there was like, she basically asked me if I would like to pitch on the song, but I didn't, I hadn't heard the song. We just had like, I just knew what they wanted it to be about. Yeah. And so over the period of like a week or two, um, they start to give me more information. I start to flesh out this idea. And then one day they they just called me up and were like, can you come and meet him? He wants to to expand on it yeah. in person. And what, what was going through your mind at that exact moment? Like thoughts, feelings, everything? Like I was nervous, but I was also, I, it's hard to, I wasn't really like feeling anything. I was more just like, I was a bit stunned. Yeah. And then I went to meet him and like I said, it's just an amazing experience like um, to work with him. The, I wanted like, at the time the album was a secret. Yeah. So I couldn't tell anybody that I was working on it. Oh wow. So that's why like, for example, like when you see it, there's a lot of people that watched it that yeah. know me that didn't know that yeah, I was yeah. involved until that point. Wow. Um, and even now there's like, I res- I re- what I really respect about him is the way that he works. He just kind of, he has his process and he works in a certain way. So I can't, there's certain things like I'd wish it was, there was like crazy things that I could say about it, but it was kind of just like, it was, it reminded me of when I collaborated with like Retch or with Paulie or something. It was like very one-on-one, like hands-on. Like you wouldn't, a lot of artists that I work with in of a certain size, they have like a, there's like the whole label infrastructure around everything. But I think maybe it's because the project's such a personal project. Yeah. It was very like close collaboration. And I think that's what gives it that authenticity like to the film. Yeah. Um Yeah, it was it was special. And how how much influence did you have over how the film turned out in the end? I'd like, I'd, I'd call it a collaboration. Yeah. Like um like you came with some ideas, they came with some ideas. Yeah, and and it was a meeting of minds, really. Yeah. Um, and was was the idea of it always to to go to because it was the, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's Bam, and it's the the track of Jay Z and Damian Marley. You go to Kingston, you shoot at Tough Gong Studios, like in. Yeah, that was that was their brief from yeah. the start. Oh, that was the brief. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, there's little things that we explored, and it became bigger, like themes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but with those kind of projects, like I'd call that a documentary kind of project. I think it's not 
like my mum's from Jamaica and I go there a lot and it, mm. there's a lot in there that's very personal to me but it's not my story in a way it's it's a there's it's their story and I'm trying to show it in a certain way and yeah. tell it in an authentic way so I think the best way to do those projects is to let them lead the story there's times on the project where I kind of thought with my my style of filmmaking is quite weird sometimes with with drama projects I'm more maybe assertive yeah. with like the documentary style projects I can see like sometimes when I'm shooting things people are then unsure who the director on the set is mm. because I like to kind of be more like a voyeur and like a, a conduit and let things come through yeah, yeah. onto the camera I know how I'm trying to shoot it yeah to have it give it an artistic like aesthetic but I'm not I'm not pushing people into places I'm yeah, like, na like yeah. a natural kind of environment yeah. and just fly on the wall. Yeah. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think really comes across in that. Like, there's some, like, beautiful moments. I think I texted you after and saying, like, just watched it, like, so sick. Like, I think the, the acapella bits were just, like, for me, incredible. Like, I saw it and I was like, oh, my God. I was like... Yeah. I, I was actually thinking, who shot this? And then, like I said, when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, it, even, like... Um, I'd met a cinematographer at the beginning of the year called Joshua James Richards. We'd done like this BMW Alexander Wang film. And I'd heard about him a lot in the build up to that because he shot a lot of like independent movies mm. and he's he's won like big awards. He's had films in like Cannes and stuff. And he worked with me on that project and on the Jay-Z project. And like he, I guess he, he has this really beautiful way of like, it's like we, instantly we were on the same page with like what we're trying to do visually mm. um and a lot of the people in it like we, we're literally finding them on the street and shooting stuff wow there's some characters we were specifically looking for to to show different sides of life in jamaica but there's some that we just found um but yeah i think yeah there's I, there's a lot of special moments in there for me i think yeah yeah and what was like working directly with with Jay and his team, like what was his kind of persona like? Was it, you know, does he have like a certain aura or was he very like comfortable and open in terms of, you know? It's a, it's a mixture. Like he, he's got an aura, um, but it's a very, like he's very comfortable and he listens. Mm. He's very good at like, he knows what he wants mm. and he, he he's really good at working with people um yeah i, I it was a it, yeah I, it was it was very surreal for me just because you know i'm i'm coming to that with years and years of seeing this person on like i've seen him on stage i went to like the o2 and saw yeah. him with kanye west i've seen like had his i've bought all his albums like listened to them so much so i'm bringing all of that with me to in my mind yeah and, and was that was, was that almost like a setback for you was that almost like creating a feeling of nervousness and you know I don't know shyness within you I wasn't I was a little shy yeah. if I'm honest yeah a little bit um, and I think he knew, he knew that as well um, but he's lovely so yeah. and like he like he trusted me to do that project and he had seen my work so he knew He'd pick me for a reason. Yeah. So I I felt like that helped me. Um, 
yeah, and he's he's really good, he's just really good to work with. Like, mm. I'd love to work with him again. Um, and I'm 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 very proud of that piece. Mm. It means a lot to me. Do you think you will work with him again? I hope so. Yeah. And what was it like being in in Jamaica? Like you said, your family's from there, part of your family, and it's like, what was it like being there, working, but also being in like one of the most iconic. I guess studios in in, in, in Tough Gong, which was you know the Bob Marley's um, studio and label. Yeah. Like, what was that? D- does the place itself have like a a made of L kind of like it's got that special or Abbey Road's got that special feeling to it? Did it did yeah. it have that? It's definitely got that energy. Um, it felt now in hindsight, like seven months on, it feels like it never happened mm. almost. Like. I knew what that place represented. I've got like my, my family have records with that label on it and stuff. Um, I just, I think even like my great uncle, like made a song there with like Bob Marley, I think. Really? But it's just, yeah, it was just, it just was crazy. Um, Like you, you shot in there, right? Yeah. I went there to start of last year with work, which was, yeah, it's, it's a special place, man. Like, I walked in the the main studio. I just stood there and looked around, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like yeah. I was literally, I, I was speechless, and I was I was taking a lot of photos for the project we were working on, um, and I was just, just kept looking at the room, and I was just like, "God, what? How am I here?" Mm. I couldn't believe it. Like for me, it was like a real like moment. Yeah. Where I was almost like looking at myself in the room. It yeah. was really weird. That's how I felt. I feel like. Um there's periods over the last like seven years where sometimes I wonder what I'm doing. Mm. Like sometimes when you're working for brands and stuff, I love doing that stuff, mm. but you it's not really about your personal story or like, and there's parts of the time where it's like, am I ever going to make something that relates to me or has is in the world I want to be in? Mm. And then you get these moments like the Wretch Project where you're like, Okay, it's like it's like the universe is saying in that project, you can it's like you can chart from, you can chart your journey to that point, yeah, and then it suddenly makes sense, and then past that project, then you go back to certain things, and yeah. you're like, okay, it's like this cycle repeats itself, and you're like, am I, am I doing the right things? And then th- that project happened yeah. in Jamaica with an artist that I love, that a message I really believe in, yeah, and it was like all the pieces just falling into place, yeah. yeah. It's like my whole, everything I was doing suddenly was like, you're doing the right things. You're in where you need to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of the things that yeah. made it so special, I think. I had a really similar moment in, on the same trip to Jamaica and we were shooting an interview with Damien Marley um, in Bob Marley's house, which is obviously now the museum, but in the recording studio, which was the original Tough Gong studio. And again, I was taking photos and I was I was sat there and I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is, ma- this is like, this is Bob Marley's actual house. I'm sat here in a room with four of us in it. One of which is Damien Marley. One of which is David Rodigan. One of which is his producer and a cameraman. So five That's crazy. of us. And wait, he's been interviewed about his dad about the Exodus album which was pretty much created in that studio and I was just like 
I, this is surreal because like for me like I used to like I had posters of Bob Marley on my wall as a kid and I'm gonna say I was obsessed but I just used to love the music so it was a real like wow mm. what like I could I can honestly couldn't believe it it was so crazy and it made me think like like everything I've done to to that point in my career and my life has led me almost to that yeah. there's that that again that thing of like feeling like the pieces have all fallen yeah. into place in that moment and I took like a real step back and then like switched back into the zone like right, actually I've got to take some photos I can't just stand here like staring yeah um, which is mad but yeah so in terms of directors who would you say is, is your biggest influence or inspiration that's a good question um, I've got a couple just because like for example um in terms of like what they make and their style i'd say like steven spielberg mm. just because growing up in like being born in the 80s and growing up in the 90s and all that stuff his movies were like i'd watch them all the time or mm. like a george lucas or something yeah. um and i think those guys kind of created like what modern like big movies are they the language of them and stuff um but they had personal stories at the heart. It was never about the effects and stuff like that. It's about the emotion and stuff. Yeah. Um, I always admired someone like Spike Lee to his background, the kind of stories he tells to have a massive career doing that kind of thing in a time that isn't as maybe inclusive as it is becoming. Yeah. Um, and he always had like a, like, do the right thing or like he got game Malcolm X or this kind of, there's very there's a lot of he's doing a lot of things in those films um, I think it's a good question I mean there's so many there's like I like different things in different directors yeah. and I realised it's when I went to art school I realised like as a creative person you you're like influenced by so many things and part of you finding your identity is realizing what you like in other people's work why you gravitate to those things um yeah i mean there's like there's younger directors that i'd call like maybe they're a bit ahead of me or maybe they're my peers or whatever who are doing really interesting things as well i think it's just a really exciting time it's almost hard to come up with a list because they're so it's so more accessible like how you can share your work yeah there's so many names like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, but I'd say like a Spielberg and a Spike Lee, those two yeah. are like really, really big for me. Yeah, definitely. And then what about in terms of just like in your life in general, you've mentioned a few people, but who would you say has been the biggest influence on you? I think uh, professionally or like in general? Whatever, just in general. I'd say like my granddad, um, he, he passed away like just after I went to Jamaica to do that video, but oh, really? I did get to see him. Um, like we used to, like he, we, we used to, I used to go and stay with him. Like my, like my mum would go out and I'd, he'd look after me and we'd watch so much TV and films. Mm. Like our eyes would hurt. We'd have to like lie down. <laughs> um, but I think it's through seeing like him and my mum, how they, how film what film meant to them. Mm. Um, I think that's where I got my passion from a little bit. Um, I think there's like, like my art teacher at school, um, 
my music video agent that I work with. Yeah. Um, there's some producers that I've worked with a lot who have really like had my back when we've been doing projects, like maybe punching above our weight on stuff. Yeah. Um, like the the DOP that I went, the DP I went to um, uh, art school with Benjamin Thomas. We did like the Wretch Thirty Two thing together. We've done a lot of work together. And what I like, what I, I love, for example, about the Jay Z project was the editor. He went to my secondary school. We didn't really know each other. He's younger yeah. than me, but we became we became we started working together in like 2011 randomly, and we realized we met at school. So for like the last six years, we've done a lot of things together. I moved to LA like two years ago. He moved like a year before me. He he edited the Jay Z project. Um, the colorist who who graded it, he is a guy I've worked with in London, and now he lives in LA. So yeah. it was, for me, that project is like we all had moved to another country to yeah. try and do something, and we were all working on a project together. together. That yeah, yeah, it was. It's just really nice. Yeah. Um, so if if you could then, if you could put like a like a dream team together to shoot something who would you have what would you shoot who would be in it and what would it be about like paint me a picture i'm actually like starting to talk about or starting to work on a project that is like my dream project yeah for like a first feature yeah but i can't <laughs> i really want to talk about it. i can't <laughs> we we'll have to do like another like talk in like two years or something um but th this is another project where it's like it there's so many things about it that it's like perfect for me yeah I didn't even realize maybe when I when I was first approached about it how perfect it is yeah and how much I believe in it um but I think every project's different it depends on the project like who you work with um like I think a, a, a lot of people I collaborate with what I respect about them is when they work on something they have to really believe in it yeah they wouldn't otherwise they don't think they're doing giving it justice doing it justice um so i think it depends on what it is yeah yeah fair enough and then who would be your dream person to to shoot something with hmm right now who would i say that's a tough question that's a really tough question <laughs> If you had to pick one person, if, if I, I had comes, to pick someone right now, if I said to you, right, you can't shoot anything else, you've got one opportunity. To Do you shoot. know who I'd really love to work with right now? Yeah, go on. I'd love to make like a a short film, like a really poignant piece, like not too long, with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd love. To, right. I feel like he's very outspoken. Or yeah. He has to be, and he, like, I admire him a lot for what he's doing right now. Yeah. I feel like. I just feel like I want to make something where I want to try and make something that sh shows what he's trying to do to everyone because not everyone understands what he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I want to try and help him do that. That's cool. Um, but who knows? Yeah. It might happen. You've put it out there now. I just feel like <laughs> what what he's doing now is like what Muhammad Ali was doing. Yeah. Like, And he's doing it in a way where he's prepared to sacrifice his dreams to stand up for what he believes in, like to get to the level he was at as a quarterback in the NFL mm. to like for consistently um, is no mean feat, like to become like one of the best in the world at something yeah. and to have that taken away, but stick to your guns. Yeah. 
for something that you should be allowed to be outraged about yeah. is like unbelievable. Is that something that's important to you is like being able to work with people who have like a bigger message rather than just their work. It's like a bigger, like a broader kind of, um, I don't know, influence, I guess is, is the yeah, word. Yeah, I feel like art has a lot of functions. Like obviously entertainment is the main function that it's known for. But I do, legacy is something that's important to me. I'm not saying like I deserve to be like super famous and everyone knows my work or whatever. Mm. I mean more legacy in terms of just for me when I'm like an old man and I look back on my what I've been a part of, what messages did I have the chance to put out messages that I believe in? Yeah. Um, or to make people think like, I'm not necessarily saying it'd be nice if people came away with like a certain impression from it but as long as they're thinking about it and questioning it that that is for me is enough yeah um but i do yeah i, I mean i think it's interesting like the older i get that i got like first i just loved films and i loved it's like an escapist thing mm. and then as i was making things i was just trying to i was just trying to learn the craft and i was trying to get the visuals to a certain level. Yeah. Then I started to think, um, I was trying to get the visuals to a certain level. Then I started to think, who, why do I want to tell stories? Like what, because you start developing characters and stories to another level. Yeah. And you start to really think about what is the message? Why is someone doing something? Who are they? And that's when I started to think about what am I trying to say? What means something to me? Yeah. Um, because I think you make your best work when you know that. Yeah, of course, 100%. When you're kind of like being true to yourself and what you believe in. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's massively powerful that. And what, what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Oh, man. I mean, I get like people tell me good advice all the time. I'm really lucky with that stuff. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick one. Or one that really sticks out to you. Let me just think about that. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm really <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Um... <laughs> I'm going to kill you with the next couple of questions as well. So <laughs> take your time. I can't think about how they, I, how they said it. They said it so well, but I can't remember how they said it. What was the gist of it? It was basically like, it's basically like be honest to who you are, like be authentic. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like I was, I wouldn't say I'm like really impatient, but sometimes I think a lot of, a, a lot of what I do is not up to me it like comes out like you just you're doing things and bef like things come to you from a place you might never expect yeah so sometimes it's hard to think like you know when someone asks you what do you want to achieve this year i have like aspirations but i don't know what's possible like yeah. what's going on like it, there's many different things that are happening and i think sometimes i'd try and maybe force things in the past and i think being a bit like being thinking about when think just doing you like and trusting that other things will happen yeah. I guess I think it's that, it's that thing I think we're trying to say is that thing of like believing in yourself and the journey you're on and things will fall into place along the line and obviously there's ups and downs but it's as long as you're being true to yourself and have that self-belief yeah then like you know you're on the right path and yeah. as long as you're you know moving forward doesn't matter how quick how slow as long as it's forward you, you can't really do any wrong to be honest 
Yeah. Um, so then let's flip it. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start out filmmaking or has just started out? I think my advice would be like make things. It doesn't matter if it's something you shoot on an iPhone mm. or like you have all the bells and whistles. Like f- filmmaking is about visuals and sound. Yeah. Like if you have, if you're telling a story and it could be a one shot, it doesn't have to be edited. Like if you're telling a story with pictures, you don't even need sound. Like the absence of sound means something, but as long as you are using pictures and creating something, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. Whether one person watches it or 10 million. And I think you can, I think it's important to like observe other directors. Like maybe if you can run on something or help someone with their treatments or whatever way you can, or watch bonus features on DVDs, Mm. like whatever way you can like learn about your craft, but ultimately you have to make a body of work and the more things you make and the more you push that, the more doors will open. Yeah. Um, I wish I knew that sooner. I think like in hindsight, I think things move quite fast for me, but they could have moved faster or I would have maybe saved myself some time. Um, I think the other thing is like, don't be afraid to like, like not everything you make has to be incredible and has to go online or like go out to people, just mm. make things and... Let's put the hours in, isn't yeah. it? Like get your practice hours in, cut yeah. your teeth. You know what? The best advice someone ever told me actually, and this is the advice that I would pass on is like failure is the greatest teacher. Like, mm. Who told I, you that? like my granddad and my art teacher they both told me that I think a lot of successful people tell me that yeah really if I'm honest um that and like the other one that sticks in my mind is just because it was like two weeks ago Ashley um I was with him and he said my grandma always used to say to me if you hang around with stray dogs you'll catch fleas yeah and that made me think yeah. yeah that made me think like um you you know like you are the company you keep. Um, yeah, there's always one as well. Um, and this is a, going back to the other question, but my my mum being Jamaican, there's a lot of Jamaican sayings. And one of them is like, um, the chicken is married, but the hawk is near. Yeah. So she's like, the chicken's running around all like, yeah. like a headless chicken and this hawk's like circling and it's about to get it. Yeah. And it's not mindful of its surroundings. Yeah, yeah. So that always like focused me, I think. Um, but... Um, yeah I think directing like making things not b- not being afraid to fail because um, you're going to learn more from that stuff yeah. and when you when you are making things not being afraid to put them out there like there's people I know who have brilliant work that they don't share and that for me is the most heartbreaking thing because they've made it yeah and then the world doesn't know what they've done, but also if they share that with the world, undeniably things will happen for them. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, but people have to be ready to do that. Yeah, that's true, that's true. All right, so I'm gonna, now one, <laughs> you might hate me for this, but I'm gonna ask anyway. What would, <laughs> what would you say your top three films of all time um, it changes all the time like yeah. if you asked me this like two years ago it'd be different um, I, I still love The Empire Strikes Back yeah. just because of what it means to me yeah. as a kid like the sense of magic in it 
the fact the bad guys win at the end. Yeah. Like that I could I can remember seeing that for the first time. Like some one of my earliest memories. Um I love this film. There's a French film called La Hen. Yeah. By Matthew Kasovitz. Yeah. Um and um for me I mean, I think I was about 14 or 15 in my French class. My teacher showed it to the class because it was a good way to make us pay attention yeah. to the language. We watch it with subtitles, yeah. but it's such a like yeah. important story and it's still so relevant like 20 years later. Is that the one about the the race riots? Or yeah, it's like three guys in the Banlieues, like the States yeah, in yeah, Paris. Yeah, yeah. And like there's been a riot the night before and someone's stolen one of the police officers' guns. Yeah, so yeah. someone on the estate has a gun. The police are looking for who it is and you're following these three kids yeah. through um, through um, a day. Yeah. One of them's like black, one of them's Jewish and one of them's uh, Muslim. Mm. So it's like, it's a really important, it's like the do the right thing of the 90s in France. Yeah. It's like a really important film. It was really like divisive when it came out. It's got so many moments that people that grow up in like uh, the, the city, a major city will know in some to some degree that kind of world and those experiences like obviously in Paris at that time it's a very special yeah. situation but it's still there's universal things about it um, I just remember watching it and stylistically and narratively I was just like what is this film mm. like I think yeah you can find it online like yeah, if, yeah. if you have if people That's haven't a, seen it I, I mean I don't know how I watched it I think one of my old bosses was like obsessed with he's like obsessed with French cinema yeah and I think that was like one of his films he's like you have to watch this and yeah it's it's an incredible like just everything it's a real like eye-opening film it's in terms of everything like the story like like the way it's shot is incredible I think yeah. the is it the opening scenes like really like I think is it is it that where the opening scenes just really like beautifully shot and straight away you're like, like yeah, into yeah. It. yeah yeah I mean my third if you asked me this like a few years ago I'd say like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah just because of how it's playing with like representing like how your brain works in on screen and there's a lot of cool techniques and stuff um but I'd probably say I, <laughs> this film's like there's a film The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith mm. I think it's just for me, I like, I'm not in his position. Like I don't have like a wife and a kid, but I feel like there's a lot in that story and it's a true story that I identify with. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can identify with it and I just find it so moving. And I think you can learn a lot of lessons from it. Um, and yeah, like I, I've been watching, I've watched that a couple of times in the last like year. Mm. I don't even know why. Um, but it's yeah that's a great film um, in terms of the message and like yeah, yeah. story of it yeah it's, I was, funny enough I was trying to complete a Rubik's Cube the other day and I was thinking about that film because he does it in the back of the cab isn't it it's like yeah crazy <laughs> that's mad right so then last couple of questions for you um, and if you've listened to, to any of the episodes then you'll know the last couple of questions because always the same let's roll back the clock take it back to like pre-uni let's say what are three bits of advice you would give yourself to start doing and one thing you tell yourself to stop doing? 
I think um I think sometimes what I do and I still do this so I need to stop doing this is but I've I've got better at it is I think you can and someone actually made me aware of it is like um you can create a narrative for like of how things work for you or mm. how how people how people are engaging with you that isn't actually true it's kind of you your perception you're making yeah, yeah you're making yourself you're making it come true yeah it's not actually the the case yeah um and i think i'm guilt i've been guilty of that in the past um and it's something i'm getting very i'm getting a lot better at um mm. it's not not making a narrative for the world about myself or yeah, like yeah. do you know what i mean um I think I just say like to myself like follow your heart and you're it's going to be all right like mm. you're going to get go places I think it's things that I should tell myself now to be honest because it's really I, what I find really interesting I talk about a lot with people because I think a lot of like it just so happens I think that a lot of my friends are like artists in some way yeah and I think we're all on the same journey of like the more as you, you grow with your work and you get to a point where if you told me 10 years ago I'd be doing certain things I would have never believed it mm. and now I've set new goals and they seem far away they seem unattainable but I've now I've achieved certain things I know they're possible I just have to remind myself that yeah because sometimes you forget um so I've yeah, I don't know if I've changed as much as I think I have since like 18 or something. Um, like in that way. Yeah. I think my brain still kind of works in a similar way. So yeah. I have to remind myself the things that I would tell myself back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, that's what I love about um, doing what I do. And I think it's no matter every project, it's like a new battle. Yeah. Like when someone reaches out with a music track, for example, in a brief, I feel like, okay, now I have to come up with a new world or a new narrative yeah. or a new vibe that fits that, what they want or yeah. the music or, and it's like, you never know, you're pitching at other people. You don't know what everyone else is doing. You don't know, you're just, you just have to trust in yourself and be mm. like, okay, I'm gonna try something. Yeah. And you've got this whole journey to, you know now what it takes to go from that initial reach out to the final product. Yeah. So you're always like starting from scratch and going through that process again. And how does that process work? Like the people, so like, you know, an artist has a music video they want to shoot. Do they come to you with like a brief of, we want to do X, Y, and Z for this video. And then you build the narrative around that and how you're going to shoot it. Or is it like, this is the track, come up with an idea. Or is it, it, like, it depends. It, it depends like, on the artist and their team and what they want. Like, Sometimes you'll write an idea and that provokes a new idea and yeah. then you collaborate with someone. Sometimes they want just want your take on something. Sometimes they have a, a they have like a world they want it to live in or even yeah, an yeah. idea. Um and that's what I like about it. Like you're working with different types of people and each time. Um I think I love music videos because they move so fast, like they they can happen so quickly mm -hmm. and they mean so much like they're not right there's no mtv everyone on a friday watching a premiere of like michael jackson video yeah anymore but every artist can find an audience and 
if it's if you're lucky enough because there's so many factors that make a good music video it's not just down to the artist or the director or whatever but if you're lucky enough to be involved in a project that becomes a special project um it's going to have like an audience and a life like mm. and i think that's amazing yeah and they are so relevant like culturally like when they're done well um, yeah so and then yeah. all right last question um what would be your ultimate happiness goal in in life in general or yeah. professionally both i think well <laughs> um <laughs> i think professionally i'd love to be like a ridley scott or something like be like like 80 or something and still be doing what i'm doing mm. and to feel like I, lo- I I only really understood what it meant. I never used to, it never had real significance when I, when I was a kid, when I hear someone talk about their life's work. Yeah. Now when I hear someone talk about it, I'm literally like, I just look at them with so much respect. Like they've dedicated a lifetime to doing this thing. And I just, I hope that I have the, that I managed to get that far. Yeah. Um, I think personally, I'd like, I guess I'd like to have a family. Like, I think that's, that would be something I'd like to do, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. I'd like to do both of those things. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, before we wrap up then, can you um, let people who are listening know where they can find you online, where they can find your work, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You can find my work at Rohan, dot com. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and my handle is the same on both. It's at RohanBM. Nice. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, very interesting. Lots yeah, of wicked stuff. Thanks for stuff. having me, man. Uh, it's all good, man. I've been trying to do this for ages, so had to had to get it done while you're in the country. Um, otherwise, it means I'd have to come out to LA again <laughs> try and get it's, it done. It's, talking to you has made me think a lot. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's the idea. It's good. Um, so yeah, man. Thank you. Good luck for you yeah. know everything you're going to be working on this year. I'm sure you <laughs> don't you. need the luck. I'm sure it will all be. No, I do. I, I appreciate it. Um, and likewise, it's a, it's you. an honour to be to be on here. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you very thank much. You. No, it's all good, man. Yeah, peace. Thank you. Thanks. So there we have it, guys. That was Rohan's story and. I hope you enjoyed this one. As I said at the start, you know, Rohan is a good friend of mine. So it was a real, real pleasure to have him on the podcast and just sit down and have that chat. And what I really loved is, you know, how he remains so humble despite all of this amazing work he's done. And, you know, he's got this really strong, positive work mentality. And I really love that. And he's got a really calming energy about him. But he's just so humble with it. And I think that's a really good quality to have. I also love, you know, the the way he's got a combination of a, a strong work ethic, but also, you know, appreciating that opportunities do present themselves and he's managed to create and take these opportunities for himself and make this amazing career that he's had and you know will go on to have over the years as well as you know talking about how he believes in things manifesting themselves and you know sometimes you don't have to force it things will happen in the process of of your journey in your life and I think that's a really important message to take away from this um, but if there's anything else that you really enjoyed and there's any other messages that you really loved from this interview then please do get in touch with me you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at IamAlexManzi and you can find me there connect with me and I love chatting to you guys and all of the feedback I've had recently has been incredible so you know I fully appreciate that so right now that's all we've got for this week I hope to see you next time but make sure you go out there and chase your dreams This podcast is produced by Unedited.